This is Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Lena. And I'm Matt Henry. I'm Matt Miller. And I'm Mark. You are listening to episode one where we're discussing the name Faith and Fable and why we're even doing this thing. All right, guys. So there are many podcast ideas out there and many voices out there. Some are good, some are bad, some are helpful, some not heretical. Mm-hmm. Um, especially within the church world. And so this is our attempt to throw out another voice. Um, and so really, we just want to talk about why another voice? Why are we doing this? And we have decided to call this Faith and Fable based on First Timothy chapter 4, where Paul is writing to uh, young Timothy, who's a young pastor. And so we pretty much strip this name right from, from this text. Um, in, in chapter or verse one of chapter four, he says, the spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And then later on in that passage, he talks about having nothing to do with worldly fables, uh, which is just error and, Hmm. and silliness and folly out there. And so we thought a good name would be faith and fable. So in first Timothy chapter four and verse one, it says, but the spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And then in verses six through eight, he's telling Timothy, he says, in pointing these things out to the brethren, you'll be a good servant of Jesus Christ, constantly nourish on the words of the faith and of sound doctrine, which you have been following, but, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness for bodily discipline is only a little profit, but godliness is profitable for all since it holds the promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So what's powerful about this passage is Paul is telling Timothy, who's a pastor, to basically stay nourished on two things, and that's words of the faith, which, which is the gospel, and then sound doctrine. And, and what stands out in the passage is something that you don't see in the church today, and that is how simple and boring and also confined, if you will, um, what... Paul is saying. He's not saying that we need to be relevant, um, whatever that means. We don't have to be sexy. We don't have to be cool. We don't have to be edgy or anything else. What we need to be doing is building ourselves up, but also building up the people of God on the words of faith and sound doctrine. So that's really what we're trying to do in, in this podcast. We're, we're trying to find a way that we can bring into a in the, into the Christian podcast world um, some sanity, yeah. biblical sanity in in a world that's very insane right now, and we're watching our nation literally fall apart around us as fast as it can. It's it's shocking, literally in the last six months, how many things have happened, and the church is almost incapable of speaking with any intelligence as a whole. Um, and and the only way you're going to resolve that is what you just said. We, we have to get away from these fables these popular doctrines that have no basis really in the word and go back to what does the word of God say? And the people of God will hear that and, um, and, and now be able to become better oriented, if you will. And there are, there are good podcasts out there. There's a lot of good sermon and stuff you can get online, but it, it doesn't nearly outweigh the filth and the fables and the, the poor stuff. And so I think part of that is, you know, people think theology is boring, doctrine is boring, you know, that that's for people, you know, who just like to think thoughts, have conversations, but what's, you know, kind of attractive and sexy now, especially in the church world is things like activism, getting out and doing something. 
all of which actually has a theology behind it, whether they know it or not. Um, you know, or or churches are just focused on you know trying to create authentic community. See, but what, those are those those are those phrases you just said them right. You know, the activism, authentic community, all of that. It's like, what the heck does that mean? Yeah, and you you already right. alluded to it. It all has a theology. Yep. Um, but no one has ever explicated what that theology is, or whether that's yeah. sound theology. And and I would even, I mean, I I know what you mean, and I even agree with it. But when you say, you know, for some people they think theology is boring, I would say those people have never heard theology, good theology. Yeah. Um, either the person was teaching theology for its own purpose rather than why theology exists, and that is to equip and build us up, or the person shouldn't didn't know what he was talking about. But good theology um, is is like a cup of cold water to a very, very thirsty human being. Just, mm -hmm. it, it's exactly what you need. Um, and it starts to make sense. Things start yeah. to make sense, right? You yeah. Once you understand man as, as God has made him and what sin has done to him, then your children, your marriage, your coworkers, you yourself, as it all starts to make sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and it's one of the marks of a of a converted soul. I mean, people people who aren't converted are, you know, they're drawn toward religion, they're drawn toward spiritual things, spiritual activity, just by the very nature. But you know, one of the marks of a truly converted soul is one who can hear, read, you know, learn doctrine, and then love it and want it more. And so. I mean, we want to talk a lot about theology, and then also how that theology works itself out. Yeah, and so let's let's try to make that as clear as we can. Maybe I'll just make it as clear as mud. But you know, we are we're going to be talking about theology, even though we're going to be talking about various topics, especially topics that are coming up right now. Like we 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 plan to do social justice, right? Um, but we're going to try to talk about the theology of justice in light of what we're seeing and reading and hearing on the issue of social justice. Because right now, if you go to at least certain types of churches in the so-called reformed, young, hip kind of uh, church that's popular out there right now, they're, they're all ticking the box on doing a racial reconciliation sermon series. And if the pastor happens to be white, he's yakking about white grief or white guilt or this or that. And it's the cool thing to do, but none of them, that mm -hmm. I'm, I'm hearing. I'm sure there are some, but none of them are really bringing sound theology to this. Yeah. So we're going to try to be that that counterpoint of okay, all of these voices out there yakking away, but what what does the scripture actually say? Not not a casual mention of a passage, but what the, when we look at the scripture, what's it actually say? Yeah, and you know, really, so so part of our burden in this is because we are part of the conservative reformed world. Yeah. And, you know, mid-2000s to, I mean, early teens, theology was was popular uh, in that circle. Mm -hmm. And it seems like now that's not a, like, people aren't interested in theology. They're not interested in reading theology, learning theology or doctrine, but just doing something, you know, sometimes in conformity to the, the current culture. As you mentioned, now it's the social justice stuff, which... We'll qualify what we mean by that once we talk about it. Not, it's not like we're just anti that, but we'll qualify that. But yeah, our burden is to bring theology back, <laughs> to make it attractive again, and that people would start reading and studying and growing and talking about these things, because it controls everything you do. 
there's a there's certainly a theology driving you know the new movement in our conservative world well and and you quoted it in chapter 4 verse 1 of first timothy that in in the latter days people are going to fall away from the faith and we'll talk about what that means in just a second but it also will in turn instead of holding fast to the faith they will instead turn to these doctrines that paul doesn't just say yeah they're a little iffy. He says they're demonic, um, that there's something happening here. And what we're watching take place in the church today, I, I would argue, is nothing less than demonic. And and people are not having the discernment to recognize that they need to start turning certain people off. They need to stop subscribing to certain individuals because the stuff that's coming across is becoming worse and worse and worse as time uh, goes on, um, and and there's only one antidote. We've already mentioned it, but but we're going to be more explicit now. You know that Paul gives. He doesn't say get angry, start cussing, write a lot of really slick books or anything else. He he says go back to the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and part of this um, is is systemic from I think kind of the movement that happened in the early 2000s. The whole gospel centered. Uh, movement that happened where there was nothing built out of that. And so notice in this passage, Paul's burden for Timothy is to stay nourished on the gospel and sound doctrine. So there's two things here. And so this, of course, raises this other point for us about how there's so many pastors and churches that teach, you just need the gospel. You just need to stay centered on the gospel. You know, don't worry about theology. Don't worry about doctrine. And if they're not saying that, they're certainly doing that with their ministry. Or or the other pet phrase is, is this a gospel issue? Yeah. And I'm like, if you're a Christian, everything's a gospel issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything's going to be framed from the gospel outward. So, yes, it is a gospel issue, but it, it's used in many ways to try to silence people who are challenging the popular um, statements of the time, whatever that right. might be. And and catch it on any given week and you got a new hot thing that everyone's supposed to be talking about. So you're right. It's the gospel and sound doctrine. Both of those together is what is going to make a church healthy and, and individual Christians help, uh, uh, not healthy, healthy. Healthy. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And, and that's just it. So the, obviously there's a lot of really good things that came out of the gospel centered movement. Um, but the, the aftermath of some of that has not been the best. And now, you know, even, I mean, this has always been true, but on top of that, you also have these churches that are completely geared toward unbelievers uh, in every sense. And so it's void of any sort of depth of, of teaching, doctrine, or theology. And so really they, they view the church, or at least Sunday morning in the pulpit, as a means to just speak to unbelievers versus uh, God's means for equipping the saints for the work of service and growing them into the person of Christ. And And that's... Humorous and sad because that was not a result of the gospel-centered movement. It was what was before the gospel-centered movement when I was first stepping into the pastorate. You know, the whole Willow Creek, Bill Hybels, mm-hmm. seeker-sensitive movement hit the hit, and it was huge. And so everybody began to format everything. We're going to dumb things down. We're going to make it so that... Seeker Sam can come in and not feel violated, not feel uncomfortable. This is about him, and we're going to make everything about him. And then 
it, it all sounds good. And, and, you know, look at how big Willow Creek got. So obviously God was blessing it. But now you look at the aftermath of what you find out really was going on at Willow Creek <laughs> with all of the elders having to resign yeah. and everything else. And you realize, no, it wasn't a good thing. Mm-hmm. And people had been saying it wasn't a good thing. So then as the problems of making church to be about the unbeliever, which is an oxymoron because the church is by its very definition, believers, um, there became a pushback, and that pushback was the gospel-centered. We need to bring the gospel front and center. And everyone's like, oh, finally. But actually, we just swung way over to the other side, Mm -hmm. and now we're going to make the gospel all all about the gospel, and all the Christians need to rediscover this gospel and just (laughs) think about the gospel. But it's still not what Paul says we need to be doing. Right. It's the gospel and sound doctrine. Yeah. And but again, the pulpit is before was devoid of theology because we wanted to not offend Seeker Sam. Now it's devoid of theology because hey, it's not a gospel issue. And it's like all of it is a gospel issue because it's all connected to the gospel. Mm-hmm. So So yeah, so we have two things. We have the gospel and sound doctrine. That's the mandate. What's interesting about that passage though is is Paul tasks Timothy with another mandate, and that is to also point out error. And so we're going to talk about the faith, which is a technical phrase all throughout the New Testament in reference to that body of truth, that doctrine, if you will. You know, the the famous one is in Jude, earnestly contend or fight their boxing terms in the Greek for the faith, once for all delivered to the saints. So so that which is the full orb truth of of scripture. But on on top of that, on the other side, also pointing out error and which it, sounds mean. Well, and ca- calling it what it is, which is mean, because it's doctrines <laughs> of demons. Yes. Right? I mean, when you when you have a guy show up at your church and he starts yammering away on something that's not correct, that's not just oopsies. That's mm-hmm. a doctrine of demon. And, and you need to be able to stand firm on what is sound faith and, and what is the doctrines that you know fit under that. The problem, again, is right now your average church member wouldn't be able to identify what is the faith? Right. What is that body of doctrine? Because they're, all they've been told is, hey, we need to know the gospel. All that matters is let's get that gospel right. It's like, no, it's not just that. And because you ignore all those other doctrines, you don't even get end up getting the gospel right. So you end up, without even meaning to, right back into the doctrines of demons. So it's just vicious, vicious cycle that yeah. we have to push back against. Yeah, and and, and but the reason we're passionate about doing it is because we're pastors. Um, and as this passage states, what's at stake is actually eternal life. Yeah. It's not just, you know, some vague sort of sentimental, you know, we want to just make sure we're talking truth here, whatever. It's, it's actually, Paul frames it that eternal life is at stake. In verse one, he says, for many will fall away from the faith. So fall away. Why? Because they're paying attention to deceitful spirit spirits and doctrines of demons. And, and what's interesting is you already hinted at this, but these spirits are deceitful. Um, you know, so they don't appear to be overtly bad on the surface. They're not obvious. They, they deceive people. Um, I don't think anybody in the church would agree that they're believing actively a doctrine of a demon. No, <laughs> no, they never do. They, and, and that's what makes it so vicious is in, in the current state of the church, everyone is his own private theologian. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, how dare you or I look at a person and say, that's not good doctrine. I mean, they're already halfway out the out out of the church because they're offended that you would actually call them on that. Yeah. But the reality is, 
whether you want to acknowledge it as a doctrine or demon doesn't really matter. Bad doctrine is still bad doctrine, yeah. and and you and you need to know it. And and there's only two doctrines out there. There's the faith, that body of sound doctrine, and the doctrines of demons. There's not something mm-hmm. in between. And and the purpose of the doctrine of demon by the very nature of this text, is to pull you away. Yep. It's to cause you to fall away. It's not just general error out there that if someone happens to stumble upon it, you know, it'll pull them, you know, they'll they'll fall into something. It's actually designed and overtly put in the world by Satan and his minions to cause people to fall away from truth. And so, really, it, it, it is eternal life that's at stake. We see it again in verse 8. He says, discipline yourself, uh, literally instruct yourself, where in the realm of truth, why? For it holds the promise of this life and the life to come. So again, eternal life is at stake. Um, and so we would say that certainly theology and doctrine are done for the purpose of of eternal life. It's not just an intellectual exercise, something we can have fun with and debate and go home. But it's fascinating because in verse 8, you, you said it, discipline yourself. Now, why does he need to command them to do that? Because the temptation in pastoral work is not. It's it's hard. It's frustrating. Mm-hmm. You mean it, it? It hurts every time as a pastor you try to instruct people, and they instead take their Bible and go to another church because they're mm-hmm. angry or they're hurt or they they felt you were mean or whatever it is. It and so it he knows Timothy. Timothy is a young man in the ministry, and he's like, look, you have got to lock this into your own heart, and mm-hmm. and you, you pointed out in that realm of truth. Because there's something at stake more than just concepts. It's it's eternal life, yeah. and um, you 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 don't have doctrine ever be the end in and of itself. The moment you make doctrine or theology and its own end, you you're going to make it boring. Yeah. But but once you start to realize that that these things matter because eternal life matters, mm-hmm. all of a sudden theology becomes much more exciting. You know, this is all reminding me of like the dark ages again. It's just suppressing all kinds of truth for your people or feeding them some different type of doctrine, keeping them in the dark without knowledge of the word. You know, it's like how far we've come from the reformers who just wanted the people to have the Bible in their own language and know God's word. And now it's like, well, let's withhold it. It's like we're the Catholic Church again or something like that. Actually, that's not a bad kind of imagery. It's a sad one, but it's not a bad one because— Or the days of the judges, you know. Well, that's—I mean, you preach through the book of Ecclesiastes. There's nothing new under— yeah. The sun, right? And we just right. keep it, keep on seeing the same stuff. We never learn from our history. Yeah. And everyone doing right, what's in their own eyes. Yep. So, um, so again. But yeah, you're, no, you're right about that. I love that point you made though about disciplining yourself. It's literally the term gymnazo, which is where we get gymnasium from. That is this active exercise, and on your behalf, that you're disciplining yourself. You know, it's not just this vague spirituality that you float into or something. Um, but again, it's for, for the purpose of eternal life. And so we would say the gospel is the means of salvation to bring a person to the light. That's true. We need to preach the gospel and we need to keep it central. But then the role of sound doctrine, according to Paul, is then God's means of bringing a person to the end. It's that that perseverance. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way you said that. Well, you know. No, that was well said. Yeah. Because my wife and I... I mean, we live in a small enough of a city that 
you know, we eventually wander through every part of it. And there's almost no part of our city that we don't drive through that we aren't sad at some point just in driving because we go by a certain sure. person's house, you know, and then that makes us think about them. And then we realize where they're at or where they're not at. And you just realize there's a lot of terrible, terrible stuff out there. Um, and these people at some point in their life or professed life in Christ, they began to listen to a different voice. And that thing led down a road that is, as Paul would say, um, they shipwrecked their faith. Yeah. And, and now they're just wreckage. And that's all it is. And it just, it's heartache. In other words, they didn't stay in the faith. Mm -hmm. They abandoned it. And so they never reached the end. And so it's cheap. And anyone can get a person to raise a hand or say a prayer or something like that. But but the question is, on the day that they're lying on, on the deathbed, is their confession still the same as it was on the day of that they made that profession of faith is it still Christ alone? Yep. You know, and that's hard. That's hard. Very few. We still don't believe Christ's words, right? That the way of salvation is a narrow path, and few are on it. Right. Right. We're we're still convinced that the mega church yeah. is the the doing place where right. yeah they're doing it right because the many are there, and it's like <laughs> yet Jesus was abandoned. I know. By the time of, I, yeah, I, it's minute. like, yeah. do we read our Bibles? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, well, and that, that's not a that's not a, a rah rah for the small church because there's a lot of small churches that should be smaller. <laughs> you or know? dead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you uh, they basically are, but yeah, but but it's we've abandoned so much and we've cheated our people. I'm talking yeah. as a pastor, and and we're starving them to death, yeah. and we're not even giving them the remotest means to persevere. Um, and it's evil. So that's, yeah. again, that's why we're trying to do this yeah. podcast. So, so it's this two-pronged deal. It's it's where we want to talk about the faith, that which is true, but in so doing, you can't do that rightly or fully, according to this passage, without also exposing error or what he calls fables. And that's where we'll, we will annoy people. Yeah. That's where, there's a lot that's where more you become fables. a meanie. Yeah. Yep. Um, so with that, we would say... Um, Doctrine and theology then is, they become these, this guardian of truth, the guardian of the truth. Um, and that's been the role of theology really throughout the life of the church. Um, it's always been, theology has always been the means through which we test truth. You know, as new movements come and go, whether they're good yeah. or bad, you run them through this filter of, of historic confessed truth. And so we're going to talk about theology Um and doctrine for that reason. It matters. Doctrine matters. It guards the truth and it's going to help people recognize that which is fably. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not John MacArthur's words. He stole it from somebody else. I, I, I know. I just don't know who it oh, was. Don't say that. No, no, no. He would say so. I mean, he, he said it, but I heard this sermon 30 years ago, so cut me slack. You know, but he was just talking about, you know, how do they train um, the people at the U.S. Treasury Department to discern counterfeit. He, and he said he assumed that it was that they would show him all the different ways it can be counterfeited, and and mm -hmm. then you get to know it. He said, actually, it's the exact opposite. It's all they do is handle real money. Yeah. He mm -hmm. says, and then when they give them yeah. fake money, it's so obvious. And it's this, and, and, and use that example. In fact, 
now that I'm thinking about it, I think he was in First Timothy when he was in it. Um, yeah. But it's it's that very thing. How are we going to get people to to be able to recognize or at least begin to suspect that maybe what they're hearing is garbage? Yeah, and so it'll be their sort of gut reaction. So when a person talks or you're reading a book or you know, the newest fad or movement comes out, there's a part where your neck stiffens because you're not certain what it is, but something feels off about it. Something feels wrong about it. And the reason for that is because you have the truth and you understand the truth. And so if something's not quite lining up, the truth is what'll help reveal that. Yeah, my old theology professor would say it doesn't pass the smell test. No. <laughs> you don't you don't know what's bad, but you can smell it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully we're gonna be helpful in, in that way. Yeah, so all that to say, this is, at its core, this is a pastoral podcast, um, you know, and so with that, we are, you and I are concerned about our people. Okay, let's make that really clear, though, okay? That's what our podcast is. It's, it's. I mean, you said, it's pastoral. It's, mm-hmm. we're not thinking, how can we get more clicks or how, how many people we can get following us? What we're thinking about is we have a body of people called Missio Day Fellowship in Kenosha, Wisconsin, right? That we are eternal eternally responsible for. We will give an account for their souls. Yeah. So what is a way that we can help shepherd them? Well, the only way that we can, according to Paul, is by equipping them in sound gospel, yeah. sound doctrine and the gospel. Right. So that's what we're trying to do. And we're inviting anyone else who wants to listen to sure. come along for the ride. But that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to yeah. pastor our people. Yeah, and it is for our people. But um, to so to, to qualify some of that, what that means then is what we talk about is coming out of our own context. Right. Um, you know, what we're going to be talking about is is the result of where we live, the issues that we're dealing with in our church, in our context, in our community. And so, you know, like you said, if people beyond our local churches help by it, that's great. We'll love that. <laughs> well, but, and and we they should be if we're teaching sound doctrine. Yeah. Yeah, but this will be the this will be the the product of our, of this podcast will be the result of our own unique burdens and the things that are going on in our minds and in our hearts with our people, given the issues that are arising. And and the reason for that is because our people are hearing so many other voices mm-hmm. because in the kind of age that we live in, we're so wired and stuff is flowing past us as fast as they can. And we know that they're hearing these things. And so how do we try to step up and make certain that they hear the voice of their shepherds, or if, if some people would prefer yeah. their under shepherds, uh, guiding them and directing them and equipping them and correcting them. So yeah. we have to combat those voices. Mm-hmm. And so with that, we're very aware that we're just not going to satisfy the critics. And um, we don't care. We really don't at all. No. <laughs> but th- this is, we're going to talk about what's on our minds and our hearts. And so, we, you know, the nature of podcasts is you can't say everything about everything. Um, you know, we only have a little bit of time here. So we're just going to say what we want and hopefully, you know, you can understand it's biblical. We're going to try and show it from the text, um, but that's going to guide our episodes. And if you have questions, be- because we aren't able to deal with everything to its depth, all they have to do is submit a question um, and we'll respond to it. We want to shepherd people. We want to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that the, when we start banging away at some of these fables, it's going to hurt or it's going to confuse. and Or annoy. Or annoy. <laughs> and if they just want to complain, they can complain. But if they have a genuine question, we really do want to hear because 
Um, I know when I was younger, nobody ever taught me certain things. And, and so it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s that I, I finally heard sound doctrine for the first time. And it was like, where have you been all my life? You know, and I was angry. I was angry that nobody had taught me that. I grew yeah. up in the church from birth, and nobody ever taught me those things. And yeah. I was like, why not? And so um, if if people are listening and they're helped, but they have questions, just ask. We're, we're, we're eager to help. But understand, like you said, it's it's going to be flowing from our context. We're not cool guys. We're not mega church pastors. We're nobodies. We're just two men pastoring a small flock. And we're trying to help them to the end. 